0: Passing in his life, but some we don't see. She caught my eye, man, make my wife. I know she wanna be saved. She's spending her time in heaven.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Inside the Dome. I'm John Dodaro, and I am joined once again with Carlin Jacob. And this is the second half of our movie reviews for the day. In our previous episode, we talked about Barbie, and we gave our thoughts and reviews on that. So if you have yet to watch that, you can or listen to that. If you haven't listened to that yet, go listen to it. It's a non spoiler review for first twenty something minutes, then we go into spoilers, so definitely listen to that if you haven't already. But we will be doing essentially the same exact format for this review for Oppenheimer. This was the second half of what we saw Monday night. And we will do a non-spoiler review for the first like twenty minutes or so. Then we'll give our final verdicts and then we will tell you when to stop listening if you want to avoid spoilers we will tell you when but let's not waste any time here because it's a late night so Oppenheimer. We, both, <laughs> we both have
0: work tomorrow morning so yes
1: definitely so um, we're just gonna get right to it so let me just I ask like, you right out of the gate what'd you think um insane <laughs> Truly
0: insane. It was visually beautiful. I wish uh, Pennsylvania was one of the few states that had the 70 millimeter. It was that this movie's intended for to watch it in the IMAX. Um, yeah, which we don't have it. If we did, and it was relatively close, like within an hour, I would drive to go see it. But we didn't, so we uh, we were with XD, and honestly, watching in XD hearing the sounds, the visuals. It was insane, dude, to sit in that theater. And Christopher Nolan never disappoints, from my experience, from the th- four movies I've seen from him. But yeah, he never disappoints Um, an amazing cast. Uh, I think Cillian Murphy puts in a well-deserved Oscar nomination for this movie. Um, And yeah, it, it just was an incredible movie. I saw it for the first time today john has saw it twice so he can obviously talk about that a little bit more in the spoiler because we were talking about this a little bit on the way home but yeah it was an insane movie it was fantastic um and overall it deserves the hype it's
1: getting for being three hours long dude it's it's just a great movie yeah, so just some numbers right now. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 94 critics score and a 94 audience score. If you want to compare that to Barbie, it, Barbie has a 90 and a 90. So technically, in the critics' perspective, Oppenheimer is winning. The box office, obviously Barbie is winning, but there's reasons to why. Just the Barbie name in general. The budget for Oppenheimer was $100 million. And so far, we recorded this on Monday. In the box office, it has made $180.4 million, which is still very good, in my opinion, for the type of movie that this is. This is a three-hour rated R movie, so it's done very well, but my thoughts on the movie, after seeing it twice, I absolutely love this movie. I absolutely love it the for a 3 hour movie it flies by in my opinion cuz the scenes the scenes happen very quickly like there'll be one scene and then right away they'll like cut to the next one like they don't spend too much time in one scene and when they are in one scene for a lot of time the suspense is like really high if it's a long scene, but other than that, they do a good job of cutting around, making the movie feel quicker. The acting is spectacular. It's got a It's got a huge cast. I mean, you got Killian Murphy, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, so many others. Uh, Jack Quaid, I believe his name is. He's from the boys, even like the list goes on and on. Did you, I want to ask you real quick. Uh, Have you ever seen like the old Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies? Yes. The dude who plays Roderick in those movies was in this one. Really? He was. He had like two lines in the Uh, movies. He was like one uh, of the extra scientists. Yeah, Devin books both. Oh, that something like that. That yeah, he was in two little scenes, and I was like, Oh my god, that's Roderick. <laughs> like, this movie has like many instances where it's like, You were met, like, Oh, it's this celebrity, like they're in this movie, like it's this actor. Wow, they got him or her in it. But all of the supporting actors do very well, like, they do their roles very well. Obviously, Killian Murphy. In my opinion, he should win best actor. Like he drives this movie, like all of his facial expressions are just incredible. Like you can he doesn't even have to like say his emotions, but you can just tell how he's feeling in certain scenes, whether it's regret or fear, shock, whatever it is, like he just does it through his expressions and his line delivery is just perfect. He looks exactly like the real-life Oppenheimer, too. And then the other shout-out I'll do for acting, Robert Downey Jr. I think he could get a supporting actor nod, especially in, like, the second half of the movie, I would say. But even re-watching the first half, like, the first fourth of the movie, and, like, all his little facial expressions he makes, like, I'll talk spoilers later, but... He was just very good throughout the movie, and I think he deserves praise, but we'll talk about the specifics throughout the movie. But I really enjoyed this one. So, you got any other thoughts, too, you want to mention?
0: Um. It seems we were talking about this on The White Helmet. It seems like a lot of the stuff they talk in the movie is very historical, which is really good because sometimes, obviously, you come up with a line, like an like idea for a movie about a biopic, and then like you put a whole bunch of stuff in But it seems everything that went on actually did happen, which is good. And also, full transparency. If you think you're going to this movie just to see – uh, the Manhattan Project, and that's it. You're 100% mistaken. It's Oppenheimer's whole life from when he first starts his career to the moment he retires, we'll say. We'll
1: say that for now.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll say that for now. Um, It's not just the atomic bomb and the Manhattan Project. It's everything, which obviously the Manhattan Project's Two thirds of the way through the movie, um, yeah. and then the final act is way more than that. Um, yeah, we're I'll talking say about them aren't spoilers. But yeah. if you're expecting just the Manhattan Project, no, it's killing. It's not killing Murphy. It's Robert Oppenheimer's
1: whole career. Yeah. So this movie, not to spoil it, it's kind of set in like three different timelines too, in a way, and they kind of bounce around. Throughout the movie, like it'll be during this period and it will jump to this period and they'll use like black and white to distinguish, you would think timelines, but I think it's more point of views. We'll talk about that later in spoilers. So the movie does jump around on a rewatch. It's actually a lot better because at first it's kind of confusing throughout the start of the movie. Like, oh, wait, when is this taking place? Like what point is this taking place in? But when you rewatch it, like it's honestly just so cool. Like when you know everything, you know what they're talking about in certain timelines, you know, like when this takes place, you know, what's going to happen. It makes it it flows very well. It's it's, this is a movie where I will recommend you see it a second time. If you're able to, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to Carlin, but you definitely should because I think the love for the movie you'll have it will be better if you see it a second time. So it does jump around a lot. Like we said, it's not fully about the Manhattan Project. It's definitely a big part, but it's primarily about Oppenheimer and his involvement, his thoughts, everything that's happened to him. And the Manhattan Project, I mean, during that period, the suspense, oh my God. The suspense that they built in this movie for certain scenes, like my leg was shaking at certain points. Like Christopher Nolan did it such a good job at building suspense in scenes, especially
0: because to- we can talk about this. Um, especially during the bomb scene, yeah, when they set off the uh, Trinity project. Because obviously, this isn't a spoiler, we all know it succeeded. Yeah, it happens, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, more of the spoilers will be what happens after this whole Trinity project and what's in the movie, but sitting there, right? We're sitting there and John made fun of me for this. And I literally just sent him a TikTok right before we start recording. The bomb goes off and you're sitting there. And like I went, before that I
1: wouldn't talk too much about the bomb.
0: Well, yeah, we're not, but like, but, yeah. but before everything happens and it goes off, just the amount nolan pulls into you and like you're like shaking literally like watching because if you think about it they've done so much to get this to the point where it's at that if it fails you're done like you wasted so much time and he pulls that energy right into you and like you're literally shaking in the theater and i I don't know how many times that's happened to you during the movies
1: but yeah Like, I haven't felt that type of suspense in a movie in a long time. Like, Like, when you even know the outcome, too. Like, you know what's going to happen. But at the same time, you're just, like, so nervous. Like, is this going to work? Like, what if this messes up? It's also one of... Not to cut you off,
0: sorry. It's also one of those things that, like... It reminds me of Hamilton. (laughs) You remember the musical Hamilton? Kind of. Well, okay. It's one of those stories that, like... You know of a person, but you don't know exactly what they did their whole life. Like, I don't think you and I ever even knew who Oppenheimer was until the first trailer was released for this movie. I had like, no clue. Exactly. Um, But to tell his story, it's a story that should be told. To our generation, at least. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm sure back when the 40s and stuff, everyone knew who Oppenheimer was. But we didn't learn about it in the history book. It's just didn't happen. Yeah.
1: Like, I think this movie is going to be a very memorable movie. Yeah. In my opinion, like long-term, like I think this movie is very important because the whole message of the movie is like really just the horror of what happened, like the creation of the nuclear bomb, the atomic bomb, and then the bombs that followed that and just what has happened. Like, if a nuke goes off, like the whole world could end as we know it. Like it's really scary when you think about it. And in my in my opinion, it's a very important watch. And it is rated R. Honestly, we were talking about in the car. It could have been trimmed in ways where it could be easily PG 13. It's really only rated R because of some nudity. A sex scene <laughs> two sex scenes I guess I should say and language like F-bombs stuff like that besides that it's not really that bad of a rated R film but there was a rumor going around saying like the sex scene was 15 minutes long I will spoil this that is not true <laughs> that you don't have to worry about that there is no 15 minute sex scene <laughs> But there is some nudity, so just be warned. Two little scenes in particular. Yeah. Other than that, it could have been a PG thirteen movie. In all Um, honesty.
0: Yeah, it could have been. And uh, I just—I have a quick prediction for you. So I pulled up. Oh boy, I kind of screwed up on this. I pulled up the highest uh, grossing rated R films. Okay. We're just going to read the top five and I'll read you the last two. So, Joker is the only rated R film that has over a billion dollars. Coming in seconds, Deadpool with 700 million. And then I'm not going to read the rest, but May- uh, The Matrix Reloaded is three. Deadpool 2 is four. It is fifth. And then the 50th is 50 Shades Free. With 371 mil, and then 49th is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with 374 mil. So, knowing that, do you think it's gonna make this list? And how much do you think this movie is gonna make? Just because if it was PG 13, I think this movie could easily cross a billion dollars without a struggle, just because of how good it would take, like, it wouldn't be like an Avengers type movie where it would take like two days. But it can easily break it. But it's rated R. So in your opinion, where do you think this movie is going to fall money-wise?
1: So I think what's helped this movie is, one, the whole Barbenheimer thing. I think that just brought excitement. Like, people who would maybe only see Barbie will probably see Oppenheimer, too. So you'll get some people from that. I think the critical acclaim that this movie has gone has definitely helped. But it won't get the Joker. Obviously, I don't see this movie crossing a billion dollars just because of it is three hours, too. And it's a war movie or it's like a character study. Some people might be turned off by it. So could it crack the top five? Maybe if the drop off after his first week isn't as bad. I don't see it just because of the nature of the movie. It's not like a superhero movie or anything like that. Like Joker, Deadpool are from superhero franchises and they're probably shorter too. I I would be shocked if it cracked the top 5. I could see it crack like half a billion dollars, a little over 600-700 million. Something like that, but in my opinion, I think it'll still be considered a success cuz we've seen some box office flops this summer. Cough cough The Flash, but <laughs> this won't be a flop i think it'll be very successful no matter what the box office is i would say
0: yeah um i agree with you it's not gonna crack a bill but i think it's gonna do very very well as it should i think it's already made its money back with all with with how much the movie cost um i don't know with promoting wise and stuff
1: and like i'll say one more thing too like when you compare Barbie and Oppenheimer, Barbie was just promoted so much more in terms of marketing compared to Oppenheimer. Yeah, like y- you have to admit that. Like Barbie was heavily promoted. Like you have the whole album too, and all that for Barbie. So when you look at Barbie versus Oppenheimer, there's no shot of Oppenheimer beating Barbie. No, but, and
0: I think Oppenheimer is the better movie. Just it is. I was story- just about to ask. Story-wise and um, (laughs) cinematography. I think cinematography and Barbie was great. It's going to get slept on. But I just think story-wise and then the way just Nolan wrote certain parts of the history and then shot it and stuff and their performances, I think Oppenheimer sweeps Barbie in certain things. Um, To the kid who screamed Barbie is better than Oppenheimer in our theater during the middle of our movie, you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> once you're old what enough to loser. see this movie, yeah, when you're old enough to see this movie, you will understand why. Both are fantastic movies, though.
1: Don't sleep yeah. on either of them. Last thing I'll say, like, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer's by far the better movie. We'll get into our final verdicts for it. But if I, if you are going to try a double feature like we did, some people have been saying to see Oppenheimer first, then Barbie I'd say do the complete opposite because in my opinion Barbie is like an appetizer and then Oppenheimer is the main course. Like there ain't no dessert for this. Like once you see Oppenheimer, you kind of just don't want to watch anything else after. Like it's so much to process in my opinion. Like don't see Barbie afterwards. Like see Barbie before if you're going to see both. But do you want to get in the final verdicts of Oppenheimer before we do spoilers? Yeah, I would give it
0: um, a nine point, like seven out of ten. Uh, I think the only like issue I have is just a little bit how long it is. Granted, it doesn't feel dragged, but once you get past the Manhattan Project and go into the final act, like. I thought going into the movie that like after they show the Manhattan project that like movies done, you know, like, like we did this, we're done. I was wrong. So I didn't know that. Uh, So I had to give it 9.7 just because it was a little longer than I thought it was going to
1: go. Yeah, I am hovering. I want to give it a 10 out of 10, which I have not done yet for a movie in 2023. I do. The only reason why I want not is just because there's like one little chunk in the movie where I'm trying to still like process it, like its significance. But because I feel like it, I will figure that part out that confused me. I'm gonna, gonna. It was. I told you in the car, like the train, when he's on the train. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. I I know what you mean, yeah. The one
1: general guy. Like, I don't fully understand it, but aside from that, like the length didn't bother me. It was one of my favorite three-hour movies. Honestly, because I think I'll understand the movie in the future, I'm going to give it a 10. I'm going to give it a 10. Like, in this very moment, maybe a 9.5, but I think down the line, I'm going to give this movie a 10 out of 10. I think it's it's perfect for me. It's this movie's not for everybody too. It's like some people might have different opinions. Like if you're not a three hour movie person, this might not be for you. If like you might get taken out of the movie at some points, you might be chucking your watch. It's not for everybody. Kind of the same thing with Barbie. It's not for everybody. But this movie, it's not for everybody. You might not give it a ten. You might give it like an eight or a seven which I respect it if that's how you view it. But for me personally, this movie was made for me. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. I recommend it. I recommend it to anybody who loves war movies or just character study movies, movies. historical movies. If you like all that, or even if you're casual and you can take a three hour movie, I recommend it to you. Don't recommend it to kids. (laughs) So especially go
0: see it in theaters and especially go see it in IMAX. If you can go see it the way the movie is intended, even if it's like digital and it's not as big, the bigger screen just makes it look so much more great than a smaller screen. So go see it the way the movie was intended. If you can, if not go see it, IMAX XD, whatever the theaters call it nowadays, go see it. If these are your types of movies, you'll love it. But I think it's time to get into the spoiler part. Oh, it's not time. time. We I'll, got one last time. I'll just thing. say real quick
1: before we get into that. Uh see this movie a second time too. Like after you see it the first time, try to see it again because I probably would have given it a nine after my first viewing. But after watching it again, I really appreciated the movie a whole lot more. And that bumped it up to a ten for me after watching well, it a second time.
0: And also, um, the ending, I was so confused on. And then once, like, you know, I watched it, it made more sense um, after we talked about it. But if you go see it a second time, it
1: will make so much more sense. Yeah, definitely see it a second time. But I think that's our cue to transition now. So if you have yet to see the movie or if you don't want to be spoiled, on the ending, stop listening now. You can listen to the rest of the podcast another time, whenever it's available for you. So, this is your only warning. We are going to get into spoilers right now. Alrighty. It's time. <laughs> and this movie, it's kind of harder to like. just go from like a whole plot summary in a way. It's kind of hard to go in order. It's because, also very late. <laughs> yeah, it's also very late. So, so I know our our Barbie one was like an hour. This probably won't be an hour. Yeah. So let's go through a lot of the key chunks. Um, I wanna I wanna say first, like we mentioned, the three separate timelines. So the movie primarily takes place. There's the main timeline, like Oppenheimer, when he starts his studies and all of that there's the main timeline but then it transitions from like him during an interrogation type of scene Oppenheimer it's set in the future after the Manhattan project and then there's the black and white period and it follows Strauss Louis Strauss that's Robert Downey Jr's character and that's beyond the Oppenheimer stuff so it's set during those three timelines It goes back and forth. They even kind of do scenes in between those timelines here and there. So that's kind of how the movie's formatted. And when you see it a second time, because on your first watch, you don't know that. Like, I I bet you probably didn't know, like, when each time was when you watched it. But when you rewatch it, you go in like, oh, I know they're interrogating him here. They're trying to make him a communist at the very start. When you watch uh, Downey Jr. scenes, it's like, oh, you know he's trying to get Oppenheimer. You know he hates him. So it gives you like a lot more context on a rewatch. And honestly, it makes the first fourth of the movie so much better, in my opinion, too. And I'll let you talk in a second. But it also makes me appreciate Robert Downey Jr.'s performance a whole lot more because in his facial expressions in the first bit of the movie, you can tell he has a disdain for Oppenheimer. Like he doesn't want to admit it, but you can tell he does. Like when he's, his name is mentioned, his eyes will scrunch up or he'll bite his jaw. And I think that's another reason why Downey Jr. did such a very good job. You can tell he has a little hatred for him, but the movie doesn't reveal it yet. So I really liked how they did the beginning, I would say. So, you have any thoughts about the beginning portion? How you viewed it? It's very slow
0: story-wise. Um, and right up until, obviously, they start uh, going into the Manhattan Project. Like you said, you have this change of swings between Oppenheimer's point of view and... How do you say his name? Strauss. Strauss. Yeah, Strauss's Strauss. point of view, and obviously you get your questions answered down the line. So, um, but yeah, it starts out very slow, but then you, you get picked up and you get more enthusiastic. Uh, you obviously meet Florence Pugh, oh, Amy, yeah. and you eventually meet his wife. Also, question: Didn't he try to poison his professor?
1: Yes, yeah, so that was at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. He it was his tutor, I believe, and yeah it was true he tried to poison him I think I learned that the other character I forget his name that comes in and bites the apple I don't think that was real yeah. like I think they added that in for just cinema purposes but yeah he did try to poison his tutor at one point <laughs> that's true
0: I realized that um I don't want to like dive completely into this but I want to talk about it a little bit. So the sex scenes, um, <laughs> there, it's it's gonna go into completely with Florence Pugh's character. If this movie wasn't based off of like actual events, her character wouldn't be necessarily needed.
1: Yeah. Um. Like if the movie was based off of the Manhattan Project alone, and I don't understand why they put in the
0: first one. I get why they put the second one in, because there's two of them. The sex scenes? Yeah. The first one doesn't make as much sense to me. I'll say the th-
1: reason why I think it does is so he can say that line. The I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Oh, yeah. I guess <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, that doesn't happen without the sex scene. So. Yeah,
0: But, uh, yeah, other than that, like, it's not that long like john said it's not that long yeah and i don't want to talk much more about it but there there's just more to the first half of the movie um obviously he is the first anatomy anatomy was it no theorist Anat- theorist yeah. what was he theorist of like
1: quantum studies or something like that
0: something like that um i forget what it was hold on but anyways, yeah. he was the first one who brought it to America. And so he brought it to America and then everyone got like into it. And then eventually Matt Damon's character shows up and be like, hey, we have this thing. And he's like, and he just talks to him about it. And then he's like, hey, uh, yeah, I'll join. And he's like, I didn't know," you. He's like,
1: yeah, I want to do it. I want to lead. Yeah. Real quick. I know during this part of the spoiler talk, we're going to jump around a bit throughout the movie, but I think it is an important part. So. The main thing with Oppenheimer in this movie, the reason why some people resent him, some people question him, some people want his security clearance gone, is because of his ties with communism. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's a big point in the movie. Like, he is a left-wing Democrat. They do decide that. It's less about being a Democrat. It's more of his communist ties. So, in the movie... I was having a whole conversation about this with my buddy who I saw it with the first time. So, throughout the movie, he's not really a confirmed communist, but he believe he takes interest in some of the values. He's he joined he went to like a communist party stuff like that. He met Florence Pugh's character, who was a full on communist, and his basic interactions with her created suspicion about Oppenheimer, but. I kinda liked how they did it, like the whole story. I think they represented it well. I hope they represented it accurately, like his Historic views and funny. all that. Yeah. Yeah. And also I was just doing this because
0: Florence Pugh's character, Gene Tatalock, uh, commits uh she kills herself. Yeah. Except in the movie you, they sh- they like they don't show it obviously, but they just show like well, glimpses, oh. glimpses of it. glimpses of what, what it would have been. But it talks about, and you see in the movie you see a hand go down on her head. So there's rumors. No, there is because yeah. I noticed it, and there's rumors that the FBI back then did it to get rid of her.
1: Yeah, that could
0: be. And the only reason I did that is I sent you the link on the call right now. I pulled up Uh, Time Magazine, broke down his whole life, and has actually pictures from the movie of what he did. I did did notice that.
1: I did notice that, like, the hand in the one bit, like, the hand was on her. So, And, like, it's all
0: all historical. So who knows? But, yeah, yeah, honestly, first half was really solid and was a great start. Um, You want to move in the second half and talk about your uh, complaint you
1: have? Oh, yeah. It's not really a complaint. I, so there was like a scene. Complaint. I just don't fully understand like its whole purpose in it all. So I don't even like... So he's talking... Oppenheimer's talking with uh, Matt Damon's character. It's late at night. I'm going to brain fart on their names. But they were talking and I guess Oppenheimer was talking with another top military guy and I just didn't fully understand their connection with the whole movie. Like, I wonder if that could have just been cut. I don't know. I mean, it's probably historically accurate. (sighs) I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. Just that it was like a five minutes of the movie. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But that's not really that important. But the second third of the movie, I would say, it's kind of broken up into thirds. The first third is everything before the Manhattan Project. The second third is the Manhattan Project, everything about it. And then the third act, I should say, is post-Manhattan Project. So the second act, I mean, the suspension, once it kind of got to the point where the bomb's going to go off, it was crazy. The suspension. The score was perfect. I mean, my first viewing experience. I was sh- my leg was shaking. <laughs> it was it was so tense. The music it would just it would just not stop. Like like it was just thumping and thumping and thumping, and it's nonstop. It never stopped at any point. And then right before the bomb goes off, like you got like the whole violin going off. like i i loved it i completely loved it we're sitting in the theater
0: and the bomb goes off and i have my ears covered i saw that john looks at me and starts laughing and i say i do not like loud noises like loud booms like it's just something i've never liked um for example when i watch fireworks i blast music just because i don't care for it but so knowing this, I was like, oh, yeah, like it's going to happen right away. And then I was like, and then it goes off and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Sound travels slower than light, I think.
1: Um, something like that. Yeah.
0: So obviously he's standing there and you just hear the boom and John, and I literally jump out of my skin I saw <laughs> John that. looks at me and starts laughing.
1: <laughs> yeah, the boom was like a minute delayed or something like that. And yeah that was funny it kind of caught me off guard a little i kind of forgot when it happened but yeah it was very loud i'll say one thing too briefly there's a lot of i probably could have said in the non-spoiler part like there's a lot of like out of nowhere loud noises throughout yeah. this movie and
0: there was and anyways going back to when uh josh peck explodes the bomb uh just watching it for the first time as well, just sitting there knowing how much pressure it is to drop this thing. Yet we all know how what happens during the Trinity project. Like, but still watching them do it is just insane. Yeah. And um anyways, uh talking about the Trinity project in general. I did like how they did go into like oh like we need a town here obviously everyone needs to bring their families because they need to be dialed in and focused. Um, it didn't seem like they missed a lot from the whole point of that which is really good because is something that they shouldn't and obviously Emily's blunt character Kitty Oppenheimer which we can talk about more in the third act because she gives a hell of a performance. During one of the uh, scenes in the third act, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, obviously, uh, it's she's more of an alcoholic. It seems like I don't know if that was what it was like in real life. I'm assuming it was.
1: If not, I'm sorry. Uh, we I'll, didn't really have time to I'll, do a history search. I'll jump in real quick. Uh, I think they did. I don't know much about her being an alcoholic, but I think they did like give their kid to somebody else for a while. Yeah, it seems like true.
0: Um. But yeah, she, like, her being always supportive, always being there for him was great. um, And stuff. And yeah, just like the way the town went. I like the marble thing, where they put the marbles in the jar to show the progress. Yeah. He, he like, dropped four marbles, and he dropped the fifth one, and everyone went nuts. They're like, yeah. yes! <laughs> it's yeah. not even, like, a third of the way full.
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, that whole second act was just splendid. It was
0: uh I think there's more to talk about in the third act. Uh we yeah. have obviously the AEC hearing if I'm saying that right and then we have Oppenheimer's hearing unless they're the same thing. Unless It was like the Senate three. hearing. There was yeah, like the, the Senate, Senate
1: hearing <laughs> for Downey Jr.'s character, Strauss, and then Oppenheimer's kind of trial. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Before we dive into that, because that's the main third act, I just remembered when he meets with the president. Oh yeah, <laughs> and the president calls him soft. Essentially, he was like get out of here.
1: He called him a baby at the end.
0: Yeah, I he- wonder how
1: accurate that conversation was. Um, actually,
0: I can tell you one second if you want to talk about that scene for one second. I'm going to read this.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I'm going to the cast list right now. I want his. I wanted to see if I'm right about it. yeah, the person who played Harry Truman. Guess who it was? Who? It was Gary Oldman, who plays uh, in another Christian or uh, Christopher Nolan movie. He played Commissioner Gordon in the three Batman movies. Really? He looks nothing like him in this. No, he doesn't. Know. Like, because I thought I thought I knew that before I saw it the first time. But then when the movie happened, I'm like, that's not him. (laughs) That's not him. So where is he? And then I look at the cast listing again, and it is him. Hmm. Gary Oldman plays Truman. They're not named. Yeah, I do wonder, like, how, like, I was talking with my buddy for the first viewing. Like, we kind of questioned how accurate some of it was. Like, was Truman like that? Like, uh, I'm the one responsible for this. You don't have to worry. Get that baby out of here. Like, was that just for movie purposes? Or, yeah, it, it, it I can't really find anything on it, yeah. but I will say too. He did like, say
0: that he had blood on his hands.
1: Yeah, he did say, I that. don't think Truman was like very popular too. Like, looking at his polls and stuff like that, I looked up Truman a bit, so maybe they were just going off of that. He wasn't very well received. So uh who was the
0: president during World War Two? It was Roosevelt. <sighs> Truman was his VP. Because yeah. Roosevelt was president for all of World War II. Basically really? they said screw the eight year thing. Uh Roosevelt was president for eight terms. Uh four terms. But they said
1: Truman dropped the bombs. So did Truman come in
0: because Roosevelt um died before the war ended okay he never got yeah. to see the war end
1: yeah if i forget my history with the president's so. <laughs>
0: well, i'm a big history nerd so there you but go. that's why that's why truman was president because roosevelt sadly passed before all this happened yeah so moving Anyways, on to the th- third act. Yeah, yeah let's so, talk about these hearings
1: so this is when you kind of start to realize what's happening. Like, throughout the movie, they'll show the Oppenheimer trial, then they'll show the Strauss hearing, and you don't really know, like, the context behind both. And you learn in the third act that Strauss, essentially, he's been bitter from Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, at one point, kind of humiliated him about Strauss's isotope plan. And they had disagreements about the hydrogen bomb, which is a big part of discussion in the third act, which would come after the atomic bomb. And then Oppenheimer and Albert Einstein had a little interaction, and Strauss, being who he is, thought the conversation was about him. So Strauss hated Oppenheimer, and he wanted, he was the main catalyst behind his downfall. So he set up the hearing, he planted evidence, and... Oppenheimer was essentially put on trial because of Strauss and that would eventually bite him in the butt later on in the movie. It but, did. But then we could talk about the hearing or the trial of Oppenheimer wow. a bit. So with, the, with this trial, um they had key uh characters
0: come in, Matt Damon's character came in, um obviously the one Russian dude came in. Tyler. Yes, he oh, came season. in. Um who else came in? Someone else. But the there more one the a more one I want to talk about is Emily Blunt's character. Oh, um, yeah. this is Oppenheimer. When <laughs> so the whole time when they're speaking Oppenheimer, what's going on, you kinda have like a feeling, oh, he's in a trial right now. This isn't gonna be good for him. But they seem like kind of nice until like you realize what they're trying to do to him and that uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s characters hired them to get like him gone essentially uh but the one guy is basically just pounding his wife with words of why she believes like he's a communist and all this stuff and she just roasts him to shreds she comes Fish. back in so many difficult ways and like i wish i hope that was so real dude i hope that yeah. actually happened because that guy deserved it. Um, I literally, we were taking the theater, the dude behind us goes, Let's go! There you go, Emily. Like, he was so happy <laughs> that she just like roasted the crab out of him. But her just like pounding him back, it was, it was probably one of the greatest
1: performances I've ever seen of her from her. Yeah. I, real quick, I want to give a shout out. The dude who questioned her, his name was Roger Robb. That was the character's name. And, Jason Clark played him. I'll just give a little shout out to him. That was a great performance. Yes. In a I way. He did very well as like essentially the prosecutor of yep. the whole trial. And I think he was, it was Oppenheimer's destined to lose. It essentially came down to his security clearance and they were just going to deny it, but they were also just going to ruin his reputation. They were tying him to communism his because I mean, his brother was a communist and then he left the party and some people who he worked with were communists. He attended parties, but he Oppenheimer was never fully a communist, but he had an open mind. That's, I think, what they said in the movie. So Strauss and all these other people in the government try to essentially label him as a communist and they swayed. Oppenheimer and them were able to sway one of the three judges, but it wasn't enough, and Oppenheimer's reputation got ruined essentially in real life, too. Yeah. It's honestly sad. It really is what happened to him. Both in the movie and real life, they really just, the government ruined him. Mm -hmm. They did. And going to, uh,
0: the guy who tried to take him down Strauss uh, Strauss his hearing uh towards the end obviously you thought everything was gonna go around and then shout
1: out to I think his name is Robbie Rami St- Malik. Rami you're Malick. talking about Rami yeah. Malik. yeah he his- he's actually interesting so he actually won an Oscar for best actor for his role in Bohemian Rhapsody that's Freddie. yeah yeah and He's just in this movie and he's really only known for this one scene, so you can talk about it if you want.
0: Um, yeah, when he comes in, uh, I think uh RDJ's character trials is shocked. Um he's shocked, obviously, and uh Raimi just uh the, the Raimi's uh, character is actually named David, by the way. So David uh just tears him to shreds essentially and goes, Yeah. Um strauss planned the whole thing uh to try to take him down and failed essentially and all this thing and that uh strauss is just jealous that einstein talked to him that one time and that uh oppenheimer was so successful and all this stuff so So he was like yeah really take him down and that oppenheimer bashed his character in one of the scenes
1: yeah, and it really seems like too from that that the whole science community was behind Oppenheimer. Yeah, like they all still supported him. Like at least a majority of the science community. Like I don't think Teller did, but because yeah. the reasoning was was because Teller wanted to make hydrogen bombs, yeah, and sure. Oppenheimer didn't support it. He wouldn't support Teller. So Teller during Oppenheimer's trial, he didn't really no. help him much. At all. yeah. Same with Matt Damon's character. They didn't really help him in a way. But at least Matt Damon tried. But yeah, he tried. I don't think Teller really liked Oppenheimer. And he even Teller even supported Strauss during Strauss's hearing too. Um, Having Einstein in the movie was nice. Yeah, I liked that. I liked Einstein. He was good. We'll talk about the last scene in a bit. But... Um. Essentially, Strauss did not get nominated for Secretary of Commerce. And this is during this period, too. This is where I loved Robert Downey Jr. I'll just give him his flowers here. I mean, he was just at this point in the movie. He was great in the villain role in a way like he it was a great performance by him. And I think he couldn't get a supporting actor nod, in my opinion, and, like I said in the non spoiler part, like even I think in the spoiler part too, it's late. But he, like, you can tell, like, during, during the end of the movie, you know he hates Oppenheimer. But in the beginning of the movie, you can just, when you know it, you know it. And you can just tell he doesn't like him, even in the beginning of the movie. Like, he doesn't say it, but you can tell in the beginning that disdain for Oppenheimer that he has. So great performance by Downey Jr. overall. But do you want to talk about the last scene real quick? Uh
0: yeah, I can. I was just going through and counting this real quick. Um, I'm on the cast list. I know fifteen actors in this
1: movie. Yeah, I know. Which yeah, is quick, a I'll lot. Just... There were a couple others I wanted to mention. Do you remember uh do you I remember, remember the guy fun. from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 who played Green Goblin? Yes. Yeah, Dane DeHaan. He played like that sidekick to Matt Damon's character. Yes. That was 16, him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll give a couple more shout-outs. Uh,
0: let's see. Uh, David DeStalt DeSmoltchen. I'm going to butcher his last name. He's in Ant-Man. Hmm. Uh he plays one of the crew guys. Uh, and then he's also in a show called MacGyver. He was one of the villains. I doubt if anyone's ever seen that. Speaking of TV shows, Gregory Jabara. Uh, probably pronouncing that wrong again. He is in From Blue Bloods. Uh, thanks, mom and dad, for letting me know who all these actors are. Uh, David Krummoltz, He has a very familiar face. I can't think what he's from. But he's in here. Um, There was one more other dude I saw that I could think of.
1: But, anyways. Yeah, if you want to say this. Jack Quaid, he's one of the leads in The Boys. He plays Huey. He is also in this one. Uh, Matthew Modine, recently, he's a pretty well known actor, but he was recently in Stranger Things. He played uh, Dr. Brenner in that. He's in this movie. I already mentioned. uh, Devin Bostick. He played Roger Kefley. Oh, that was a classic role, but he was also in it. So, those are my little shout outs. And, real quick, one more thing. There's one other, I don't want to forget about it before we talk about the ending. There was one other quote I caught on the second listen. Like, one of the people didn't want to join the project at first. He was talking with Oppenheimer, and he mentioned, like, how the government will get the use of us scientists and then just throws aside afterwards. I forget the exact quote, but that one really stuck with me because that's really what happened. The the government used Oppenheimer to make the bombs and then they just threw them aside when they didn't need them anymore. And yeah, that little quote there, I forget the exact quote, but that kind of stuck with me on my rewatch of it. The uh quote from the very beginning of the movie.
0: I know you're talking about something else. Yeah,
1: it was it was mid movie. It was during a conversation.
0: There was a quote and I try to can't think about it. Um that's the destroyer death world. When the movie first opens, there's a quote and it said it was basically like someone gave us fire Prometheus. Yada,
1: yada.
0: Prometheus gave us fire, and then he was banished to the rest of eternity being tortured yeah. on a rock. And that's just such a powerful quote at the beginning of the movie that, like, you know, like shit's about to go down essentially. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, if we want to talk about this ending real quick. So we mentioned earlier that uh Strauss's character invites Oppenheimer to live on a piece of land with him. He can bring his family. And he shows him his office, and then he sees Einstein's character throwing uh, rocks into this pond. So they go down, and he's like, oh, I've met him before, and Oppenheimer gets a head start. And from Strauss's point of view, it seems like they talk for like literally two seconds, and then he walks away. And then Einstein yeah. walks just like his nothing walks right past him. Well, it turns out that was probably about a four-minute talk. <laughs> you just see RDJ's yeah. character slowly locked down. But if you want to talk about uh, mainly what they said, because I had to ask you because I was a little confused.
1: <laughs> yeah, so essentially, it's not about Strauss. That's what Strauss thinks. He thinks that they're talking about him. But earlier in the movie, he Oppenheimer gives Einstein like calculations, and they theorize about how it could end the world. So they kind of go back to that conversation. I forget some of the specifics, but the very end of it. It's probably one of the most iconic parts of the movie. Oppenheimer asks him, Do you remember when I told you that this could end the world? And then he says Oppenheimer says, I believe we I believe we ended it, or something like that. Like it was it was powerful because really they truly making the atomic bomb I mean is the weapon that could end the world if you think about it yeah
0: and that I mean, was, it is
1: powerful and that was almost eighty years ago something like did that I, yeah did
0: I do math right something like that yeah yeah um and think about how far we've come in eighty years is mm-hmm. insane and it's all because of Oppenheimer
1: but yeah like he's He showed the world what could happen. Yeah. Like the day after I watched it, I watched it the first time on Thursday, and then (laughs) I go into work on Friday and I turn on the news and there's like talks about missiles being tested in other countries.
0: Oh yeah, I saw that.
1: Yeah. Like it's just
0: it's a scary scary
1: reminder with how it all started. It all started with the Manhattan Project. It all started with Oppenheimer. And God, if we went into World War Three and it was like a nuclear warfare.
0: I hope like who knows. this I hope this movie shows the world what can go wrong. You know. Exactly. I mean, obviously we've seen it and obviously Christopher Nolan just getting a certain amount of money, gay. Okay, I'm gonna go blow up the desert. Like it's not gonna show it justice of what's actually gonna happen and stuff, but I'm hoping it just gives everyone a wake up call. Just like calm down come back down to reality, you know, because yeah. if we're not careful, Oppenheimer's nightmare will become a reality
1: at some point. Exactly, And like, you oh, just saw man. his nightmare throughout the movie, like all the little shots of like the bomb and all that throughout, like all those little snippets. And he even envisions at the end, the world getting destroyed. Yeah. He does. That's how the movie ends. Like him envisioning the world just, burning it, because it all it, these it's one of the it's one of those
0: endings that make you think
1: yeah like, it
0: really does it makes you think that like be grateful every day and that like Ooh. say your prayers and stuff and realize that like if we're not careful
1: you can destroy the world within two minutes yeah so And also the score was just perfect at the end too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Score was the perfect. Score was perfect the whole movie. Cinematography was perfect the whole movie. Um, Yeah, let's not end on a down note. Everyone was amazing in this movie. I think everyone gave out their heart and soul, especially to actors we haven't seen in a while, like the uh, the guy from uh, Diary of a (laughs) Wimpy Kid, Josh Peck. We haven't seen. Yeah. (laughs) um rdj had it's been a minute since he's been on a screen like for all these actors who haven't really played played in a long time kudos to you guys you really made this movie very powerful very very powerful
1: especially killian murphy because this was probably his biggest role ever and yeah delivered let's let's
0: let's get this uh, let's make it so we can have more good actors and movies and stuff. Please. And thank you because they are well-deserved
1: it was very, very beautifully. So (laughs) yeah, I'll say my final thoughts on the movie. I mean, it's just about perfect. In my opinion, I gave it a 10 out of 10. I'll stick with it for now, but I really enjoyed it. I just think for what this movie is, it's perfect. Like, that's all I'll kind of judge them. Like, for what the movie is, how good is it? And for what this movie is, I think it's perfect, in my opinion. It's it's a very important movie to watch. It's yeah. going to be more memorable than whatever Barbie is right now. Like, I think years from now, people are going to remember this movie more. And I really recommend you all watch it, if you haven't yeah. already. Yeah, so. I agree. You have any other final thoughts?
0: Go see it. Definitely go see it in IMAX
1: <laughs> if you have a choice, chance,
0: because it is a movie that should be seen in theaters, and should be experienced with big crowds. We were lucky tonight; had to actually have a pretty decent
1: sized crowd. It was, pretty, it was pretty nice, honestly. Um, Aside from that heckler.
0: And if you can do Barbenheimer and you haven't done Barbenheimer yet, do it. It's it's a very interesting <laughs> experience to say yeah, the least. Try. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I would, I would do it again. Maybe not with Barbenheimer. If something else came out. I would do it. I wouldn't see it just to spend half your day in
1: the movie theater. But yeah. So I'll just say this: if you see Barbenheimer, both movies, see Barbie first, then Oppenheimer. And if you've only If you're listening to this part of the podcast, if you've only seen the movie once, I recommend seeing it again. I think you'll enjoy it more. So definitely yeah, do that. Sure. But I'm going to wrap it up. We're cross, about across the hour mark soon, which I'm surprised we even got that far. But thank you all for listening to this episode. If you haven't listened to the Barbie one yet, listen to that. These are both releasing at about the same time. So yeah, this is a big weekend for cinema. So it was. These movie reviews were necessary. We had to make them, and these are probably gonna be our last movie reviews for a while. There is not really like a huge release coming out soon, so no. this will probably be the last movie-related episode for a while. So, thank you all for listening. Oh, we'll probably wait, 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 before before you yeah, say you one more thing. Um,
0: this is a huge, huge week for a couple reasons. Uh, obviously, we've had the Barbenheimer review come out on Tuesday. Um, we're going to try, I think we're going to try to get one more episode out before new music Friday, which this new music Friday is a huge new music Friday for us. Uh, yeah. Scott is dropping. Um, and I will say this, we are going to try to get some special guests on it. If not, I'm so sorry. Uh, we're just all very busy as summer is coming to an end, sadly. And we are all going back to school except me. Cause I'm yeah. not we. But we have a huge stuff coming out this week. It is a very huge week for us. So if you could please spread your support to your families and friends and just all around. We really appreciate it. Uh,
1: but yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, that's for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely share the podcast too. If you've been an active listener, share it with friends and family because we're still trying to grow. We're going to have like five episodes out this week. So the grind's continuing. Make sure to follow our Instagram and our Twitter, which I don't even know if it's going to be called Twitter anymore. It might be called X, but... I saw that. Yeah. Uh, follow <laughs> one of those. Our links are in the bio or in our podcast website bio. So you can get all of our updates on what we're releasing through those sites. So make sure to follow those. But that's going to do it for Barbenheimer. So... I hope you all enjoyed with Carlin Jacob. I'm John Dadaro. Have a great day and see you next time on Inside the Dome.